Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. big series, I believe, for us to get where God wants us to go comes from a place of who God wants us to be, and who God wants us to be really flows from who we are, not from what we do. And to be free, to be you, but have a position that has bought your freedom and our freedom, not based upon your worth or my worth, but based upon God's worth. And As we do that, we find that there's freedom possible for every area, but oftentimes we get caught up in the peripheral mindset of what God has to offer as if he is some business deal. All right, God, show me what you got here, and you lay the contract, and all these things, eternal life, healing, money, but it's like, wait, no, no. Who is God? Does he demand our attention? And is he worth our loyalty, our surrender, our following? A text for us kicking out the gate here is John chapter 8. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Breathe that in. If Jesus sets you free, you will be free indeed. Friday, I was at a funeral for a classmate. And there's this trend in Mason. That's where we graduated from. And uh, the trend in Mason is that people say, hey, another classmate gone. And specifically with our era, 1998 graduates, two people even at the funeral, stated, yo, we should maybe start doing our reunions every five years as many people are, that are dying. It's a humbling thought. You, you pause and you say, well, what, what, what's uniquely happened in this era? Well, in 98, you know, our, our crew was, we are caught in between two worlds. We're just getting access to the internet. We think Wu-Tang is like He's from Mason. That's just what we think. The Wu-Tang Clan, Rizza, Jizza, everyone's on our walls. My cat's named Wu-Tang. So much so that like even Saddleback Barbecue, the person who owns that is a Mason grad, and they have Wu-Tang Wings uh, Wednesday. And I mean, it was so, we're watching, you know, Boys in the Hood thinking it's us. We're watching Menace of Society, kids. Uh, you don't, just don't give suburban kids access to like the internet. You know what I mean? And, and so... Stuff's getting crazy. 
And people are dropping like flies, whether it's been from addiction or accidents and then depression leading to, it's just not even worth talking about, you know? But it's real. That's what people are, it's, it's like a lot of battle. So I think each one of us can relate to pain and, and to some degree. And, and uh, too often, here's what us preachers do. When we talk about Jesus, there's this super relational God or there's this fire and brimstone God. Now, fire and brimstone, we've made the mistake many times, you know, bow now. If you don't accept Jesus, you know, he's, you're going to go to hell forever. Like, oh, and it's fear-based. Like, well, yeah, I don't want to go to hell, you know. Like, and people don't know if they're, if they're being pulled towards heaven and being pulled toward Jesus or if they're just running from hell, you know. They don't know which one. One great leader, he sat with me once, he said, fear is the lowest motivational tactic. Fear, you use that for a dog. So we're not going to use that for people today. But there's a truth there, though. Okay, death is real. Life is short. Eternity isn't. And we're not meant to feel the pain and the grieving from death. It's not how we were made. It's why, it's why we mourn. We're meant for an eternal celebration, an eternal home, and to be restored with the Father, our Father that made you and loves you. And so as we preach the gospel today, as we lean in the gospel, as we remember the gospel, gospel being equals good news, we have to think of the severity and the urgency of it as well. That time is short. A tombstone is merely a signpost of what's going to happen next. People have talked about as they've had near-death experiences that they no longer fear death. Why do they no longer fear death? Because there's more. Because there's more. So you and me are made for more. We asked a question yesterday at 9 a.m. prayer, and that's insert our shameless plug to come to Saturday morning, 9 a.m. prayer. It's really, it's neat. It's raw, vulnerable, quick to the point. Um, I don't know what prayer services you've been to before, but this probably ain't it. And... Uh, no knock on those other prayers, though. Just saying, I think we got to reshape and re- even reform pr- uh, our view of prayer because it can feel so intimidating but inviting as we kicked off the year is what it should be. But we asked the question, what would be the worst thing that could happen to anybody? And the first answer was, you lose a child. Okay, parents in the room, pff, whoa. Second thing was, you lose a loved one. S- similar answer. Um, the third was, the right answer, if someone met God without Jesus. But today I continue that question, what would be worse than that one? If I met God without Jesus. So we have to go straight to the, just right to the main point, I believe, for this whole series. It begins, it ends with Jesus it's all about Jesus. And what he has purchased is a final fatal blow to Satan forever. So all of the things that are happening in our life and what we see and we think that the kingdom has to offer, the kingdom of God, I, I think he offers healing, but he doesn't always heal or does he? I think he's blessed people financially, but he hasn't always. I think sometimes he's delivered people from addiction, but he hasn't always. Well, I believe we've bought a, 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 a shallow version of Jesus too often. That Jesus is not just the American God. He, he's a global God, and what he did when he came, here's what he did. 
he said to every leader, every emperor, every king, every so-called president, that there is a new king in town. Down with the king. Run DMC, run DMC, you know. I'm down with the king, you know. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yes. Pause for a minute. What king are we down with? What, what king, for real? At the end of the day, if we lose everything, we don't have nothing anymore. Is Jesus still worth our devotion? Well, if he set you free, then absolutely he's worth all of our devotion. And what does he set us free from? Free from the sting of death. Free from the fear of judgment. Free from me thinking I have to earn my position to get back right with God. That I have connection with God 24-7, 365. We don't need a preacher. We don't need a pulpit. We don't need a building that we can connect with God any place, any space, anytime, anywhere. God is there. Like that's how much he wants to lean in. He's so close. And so to begin kind of where we're going today, uh, you know, Son has set us free. What does that mean? Are we timid in our praise? You know, let's go back to those moments. Even when we think of celebration for baptisms next week, you know, to, to, to be baptized in our context doesn't paint the full picture. So we say next week, come back, second service. You want to be baptized or maybe to, it's, it's a symbolic restart in your life. We don't believe baptism saves people because the thief on the cross was being crucified next to Jesus, believes in Jesus, and Jesus says, today you'll be in paradise. You get baptized. He's like, wait, let's come down here. Let's go get you. He didn't get baptized. But Jesus did get baptized as a sign that we are born again, going fully immersed in the water, kind of in the womb, representing water, spirit, clean, brand new, dead sins, gone, new, resurrected power in Jesus Christ, celebrating that new life. And here we are. Look, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's the old person. You got it twisted. And yeah, I'm not perfect, but he is. And so now I'm declaring he is my savior. He is my Lord. He has my allegiance. He's my president. He's my emperor. And that makes it now, uh, gives us context when it is difficult to pray for somebody like Trump. Now, even Trump will make conservatives challenge to try to pray for Trump. Because you're like, wait, celebrity apprentice? But here's the only way it's possible. Here's the only way. If you really have a king that's victorious that is demanding of all of our attention and our obedience, because now I can submit to these these kings that have been placed in authority under the king on behalf of the king, even when they don't know fully that they're representing there so that I can submit to my president. I can submit and pray for my boss and I start get freedom in every other area. But, but freedom starts and ends with Jesus. And there's freedom in him. So when we get baptized, okay, here's what we're doing. We're declaring that but in some countries, that's, a, uh, uh, that's like putting your face on, on a poster that you're hunted and you're wanted. It's a death sentence. That you now have left the religion you're in, you've left the family you're in, you're disowned, betrayed, and not only will they look to kill you, they'll look to kill the person who baptized you. And you know what they still say? Man, it's just, they still say yes, man. They say yes. Oh, they say yes. Let's not get callous to how beautiful it is to be in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't even 
why? This guy is so passionate about this. Yeah, because I believe he is the only way. And if he's the only way, he demands all of our attention. And if not, of all people, you should pity us most, Christians. Just pity us. I would feel really bad. Like, they are so dumb. Like, oh. You wouldn't be mad at them. You'd just pity them. Like, those Christians, they really believe in Jesus. We do. Because Jesus has set us free. So we celebrate today. And to illustrate this, I'm taking us to game seven. Golden State Warriors, Cleveland Cavaliers, and... Um, I want to show all these peripheral things that are happening in this video. Hey, check this out. So here's, here's the context of the setting. This is a very low-scoring affair. It, it's 89-89 there. These are offenses that have been averaging over 120 points when they'd won throughout the series. This last game, first time ever a team has come back in the NBA Finals 3-1 to to win. And the game is tied, a minute 50 left, and this block happens. Andre Iguodala, the one who's going up for the layup, he re- recounts it as... LeBron comes out of the out of middle of nowhere and he just sees a black shadow and the ball's blocked. And if you even see LeBron is so in the moment that he doesn't even let his left hand hit the rim, which is crazy. The amount of attention to detail. These guys are in the zone. And what I find fascinating about it is, is you don't have to be a sports fan, uh, fan to continue this illustration with me. So come on. You've, if you've exited, the on-ramp is here. Come back, come back, come back. Because in following Jesus... Sometimes we're just in the stands doing different things. Um, Or worse yet, we're in the stands just being in a certain row of what God has to offer. Oh, God has to offer prayer. God has to offer healing. that's, That's amazing. You're in the arena, you're in the game, but the greatest thing he has to offer is victory over all of the principalities, all of the false gods, everyone. Christus victor, Christ is victorious. And then the celebration goes on. I mean, so loud, so proud. This is why Christians were so hated because they threatened the powers of the day. They threatened those with money. They threatened those with land. You're only threatened if you got power. Why was it good news to those who didn't have any? Because when Jesus came to women, that felt just forgotten about in society and, and loves them. And when he says, let the kids come to me, kids are not highly regarded in biblical times. And then 
even with Jews and Samaritans, and he starts to break prejudices and get close to Gentiles. He is changing the game. And so what happened next was Kyrie Irving hits a shot at 50 seconds left over Steph Curry. And here's what I did. I'm in the basement, and I'm in the studio. And I remember telling Crystal, it was us and the kids, and I remember saying afterwards, I'm so glad nobody saw this because they would never believe. And, and I'm just going to expose a little bit of myself. But I was straight up like, <laughs> yes! I was just, <laughs> yes, 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 yes! Booyah! I was ready to put my head through a wall. I was like, yeah, yes, yeah. I just kept saying, yes, 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 yes. Why? Because I was cheering for the winning team. When I come to Jesus, celebrate what he's done, do I have that same enthusiasm, that same passion? I've tasted it. I've seen it. I know what it feels like to be cheering for something that you believe in so powerfully. And when Jesus showed up when I'm in senior year in high school doing jail time on the weekends, when I feel like I'm in bondage of sin every day, I'll quit these drugs tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I know what the pain and the shame feels like. And when somebody comes and they got the keys and they set you free and you're in the cell, come on. It's a joke sometimes. And look, you don't have to be as passionate externally how I am. But I would just say, find your lane, find your voice, find your praise, find your song, find your victory. Like, it's not, don't, just borrow it from somebody else for a season. This is why I try to keep great leaders around me. I want to borrow it from the chili Chilton's that text me and say, hey, I see what God's doing and you guys don't give up. Because when we start to theorize it from the stands, it feels really challenging. But when you're in the game with the people, you're like, this is awesome. And then you analyze, are we doing it right? Or do we say everything perfectly? And there's a time and a place to prepare, absolutely. But man, let's be in the game. Jesus is victorious. So this is, this is part two to Jesus, our freedom flag from last week. N.T. Wright, Wright he, he has this little article from, it's justification, God's plan, and Paul's vision. And he says, true freedom is the gift of the Spirit, the result of grace. But precisely, and for the record, I was spazzing out more in my basement. <laughs> and when Jesus made me brand new, because I was a, a high-level functioning addict, meaning I had a job outside of high school writing sports for a magazine, working as an accountant, making 30 grand, selling drugs so I could just do more drugs. And so when you think addict, don't, don't always think the person that you could tell. People are in chains everywhere, and you don't always know. But when, I, when, when God set me free, I haven't been perfect, but it's been permanent. Because I've been purchased. And I couldn't sleep for a whole week from just withdrawals type stuff. All my friends. Uh, it was as if God put me in a force field and no one hit me up. If you felt alone, that could be a sign of God's grace. Nobody gets it. No, I mean, he might be protecting you, preserving you. There was moments I would try to sin. And God would, he wouldn't let me go. I'm praying for that. He won't let us go. 
My story is not the story. You have a story. That's the point. The point is God cares about your story deeply, intricately. True freedom is the gift of the Spirit, the result of grace, he writes, but precisely because it is freedom for as well as freedom from. We think freedom for, that God wants to give freedom for my finances, freedom for my marriage. And yes, there's family origin. If we went back to some of our childhoods, the reason we manifest and act the way we do, it's because there's secondary emotions, secondary actions from what the real root of what happened as a kid. Some of us have been sexually abused, physically abused, um, verbally abused, emotionally. We have deep trauma, financially abused, um, power has abused you, me, and we carry these things into our adulthood, and now here we are, we're, we're a mess. And I want to say throughout the series, God cares about all those things, and we care about all those things, but we want to take us to a place today is, is, the, is the crushing uh, blow over Satan of all of those areas, and that now God can come into those areas. He can come in, uh, because it's not just freedom for all these areas, it's freedom from. There is freedom in the kingdom of God. There's not shame in the kingdom of God. There's not condemnation in the kingdom of God. So Jesus didn't have to go kind of prove himself that he was free. He came as one free. How do you think he's going to ride on a donkey to his own death? Because he's free. Because he's free. How do you think when he's going to submit to authorities of that time and say, hey, have your way. And they kill him. They kill him. But Peter's there. Everybody needs a Peter in a fight, okay? Everybody needs somebody who's going to come up with the, with, the, with the sword and just cut off the dude's ear. Like, don't be trying to grab our leader. Like, yo, why? Because he's like, Jesus, do the stuff. You've been healing. This is the time. Bring the angels. Bring the army. Bring the stuff. I want to show the power. Look, we show the power the lower we go. The more servanthood we take, the more we give away, the more we die to self, the more humility we show. Like that is how it's lived. And Jesus recognizes that, hey, he calms Peter down. He's like, hey, calm down. And, uh, and then Peter goes on to deny him three times. And then there's the powerful interaction where Jesus restores him. Why would Jesus restore somebody who's so volatile because Jesus doesn't look at our lowlights, and he doesn't look at our highlights. He looks at simply who, who he, he has made us to be, who we are. Who are we today? I hope that you would know that you're a son, you're a daughter, and that you flow from freedom, not for. And that freedom does have boundaries. Um, we talked about last week that in Genesis, God tells us you can eat at every tree, so you can, look, this whole world's yours, but there's this one tree, I'm trying to tell you, don't eat. Because the day you eat it, you'll surely die. The tombstone will become real. I know what awaits you. This is a mystery. You start to sit around a table and ask questions. Wait, what's the tree? Who created God? Did he know? This? All that's fun. It's a never-ending conversation. The way I, I look at it is backwards. Do I see the evidence of this situation? Absolutely. I see war. I see evil. And I don't just see it out there. I see it in here. But I also feel that I was made and I was created to rule in Rome. And if I would listen to that, that, 
governing voice that is correcting us, that I'll, I'll experience freedom. Because when I obey, I experience more, more freedom. Fair? Why? Because doing what is right and wrong is written on our hearts now. It's plain. No one's innocent, which puts us all in the same boat. So God is not the God that says, do not touch. That's that sin nature in us. When we hear something that is, do not touch, we want to open that door. We want to touch that button. We want, we want to. We want to. We want to do these things. But in Galatians 5, it says, now I want you to touch. I want you to be living in the fruit of the Spirit that touched love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. There is no do not touch anymore. That the law was meant to lead us to a place of freedom because we would get to the end of ourselves. That the law is perfect. Every rule that God has given is perfect. But now as we're in Christ, we're able to walk that perfection out. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So please touch. Please touch. Please touch. Like I love this picture from museum. It says, please touch. As you're walking around the museum, that little kid in you still rises up. Like, what do you mean I can't touch? Like, who do you think I, you know, what? But, but, on, but on the real, we live like that so much, guys. If it isn't our way, that's that sin rebellion. That's that passion, those desires. But God's saying, no, now I've made you a new purpose. That, and one of these rebuttals could say, well, does Jesus understand? There's no way he understands all my pain. Well, Hebrews 4 teaches us that since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we, yet without sin. And what this means is Jesus is the forerunner. He blocked the shot, he hit the shot, and he won, but he felt the same pain that me and you feel. And it liberates us because he has invited us into the victory. So now we get confidence to draw near to the throne of grace that we receive. Freedom is believing and receiving, always. It's to believe that Jesus can set us free and then to receive that. I remember one time, um, and I see little kids in the room, so I'll, just, I'll say it like this. Uh, which, for the record, I'll, I'll just make a disclaimer. For the weeks ahead, Bring little kids if you want them to get, like, the real, and then otherwise, let's not. Uh, so it's going to get a little bit more serious. But so I remember hearing from a friend of mine. I was introduced to inappropriate material very young. And I remember hearing from a friend of mine. He's like, man, I haven't self-pleased myself in a long, long time. And I was like, what? Like, is that possible? This is back in, like, 02. I'm newly saved. 02, 03. And I knew when Jesus stepped in, like, things were changing radically. But once he said that, I'm telling you, here's what happened. It was the four-minute mile principle. I was like, whoa, I believe that's possible now. I met a human. And then I received it, and then instantly there was freedom in my life. Like, like inst I mean, instantly. And you're like, well, I can't even think of freedom. Well, we could go on and on and on. There is examples. in what, Why do you think the enemy wants to tell you that people haven't went through this? Why do you think the church, it, it, we live in a glass? Like, we don't want to tell anybody what's happening fully because the, the enemy doesn't want us to find freedom. 
And, 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 and where do we find freedom? With Jesus and his people. Everything else is a band-aid. So let us draw confidence that we would believe and receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What is the need? I ask you today just to let Jesus into those areas and what we'll find is in the weeks ahead, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get more free this year so we can see clearly in 2020 that I am the one. Healthy me leads to healthy everything. Me versus me and we versus we. Jesus shows us, and uh, we learn in Philippians of how he is. He's, uh, he didn't count himself in the form of God um, though he was in the form, the, I'll just read the text. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is still the same way we're, we're following Jesus today. We're picking up our cross. We're coming obedient as a servant. So the, this handles the rebuttal. Does Jesus understand? Yep, he gets it. And his, here's his job description in Luke 4. His job description is to, the spirit of the Lord is upon him. He's anointed him to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When the, Lord's come, when the Lord comes back, there's going to be no more debt. A true jubilee is going to happen. That means those with tons of land, it will get redistributed. And it's not bad to have possessions. But there is a difference between stealing and stewarding. When people have been manipulated or taken advantage of at a certain low place in their life, they've been preyed upon. Whether the market crashes and those that have a lot of resources, now if they use them to the glory of God, amen. But if they use them to the glory of God, they're always going to think of how they can get people back in the game, aren't they? They're going to think of how they can get people back in the game. And that's hard when people get power. If you watch any movies, everyone has a valiant cause until they get the power. We always say, I would never do it. Power clouds quick. You need counsel quick. I mean, oh man, it's okay. Look, they must be poor because of insert. They must be broken because of, insert. I think God is always leaning into the cut. He's always present there, and, uh, and he's there because this is his job description. But before the job description, and here's where we're going to look to land, and I just want to give us three points as we get, get ready to continue to go out of here. Um, that death has no more sting, and because of what Jesus has done, and to celebrate him. God says this about Jesus. When he was baptized... The spirit comes on him and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, with you, I am well pleased. What about the job description in Luke 4, just a chapter later? God cares more about who Jesus is than what he's going to go do. And what he's going to go do is going to flow from who he is. So ultimately, what do you got to be free to be? You. And how are you free to be you? To let the king in. And take his rightful place. So to believe and receive him today that Jesus is our freedom flag. Whatever area we're struggling with, we just put that over there. And, and most importantly, that he's conquered over death. That, that, is, that is the most offensive blow, I believe, to God. I think murder cries out to God unlike any other sin. Murder cries out to God. 
Why? Because people are made in the image of God. At every funeral, God is weeping. Absolutely. We put the flag on the grave. We can still cry because one day Jesus has taken us somewhere. And three things of how we do that is first, we look back to freedom. We look back to victory. Something already took place. The king is already in his position. He's just coming back next time. It's going to be on a horse. Not a donkey. And Matthew 28, 18 puts it this way. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Well, well, God, why haven't you stopped wars? And and why haven't you stopped sickness and disease? Because the battle's still real. The The victory's still been won. And it will be displayed fully at a day later. But now the game that God's interested in most is getting his kids to come back home so they can hear the good news and have an opportunity to respond because he cares more about our eternal home than our lifetime home. There's people today that are more free serving life sentences than potentially people in this room because they know Jesus. Satan is the master of the king who gives temporary fulfillment and God is the king that gives eternal fulfillment. Fear not the one who can harm the body. Only fear him that can harm the soul. So we know that Jesus has bought everything. Missionaries started to really believe this verse and then there was no place that was unholy ground. There's no place. God purchased it all. We can go anywhere, anywhere, any place and praise God. And then number two, we look to Jesus in the storm Stuff happens, right? In, in, in John chapter 8, a woman is caught in adultery. This isn't included in some manuscripts. And why that's messy is, is this biblical? I think the story highlights in an expressive way who Jesus is. And people have included it later, and there's been much debate of whether you, you, you include it or whether you don't, and now it's included in the ESV, and there's a line item that it's not included in the early manuscripts, so is this story valid or not? And um, God is so present and so powerful that his truth, I, I'm very comfortable that this is how his truth manifests, that, that his truth manifests of a woman caught in adultery, that the law is they can't stone him. Well, Jesus isn't going to break the law. But he knows that if he answers them back and says, hey, if there's anybody here that hasn't sinned, why don't you kill her? Why don't you kill her? And then he looks at her at the end. And he, and he says, where are they? No one has condemned you. And she said, no one, Lord, because they all left. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go. And from now on, sin no more. Did he first say, Look, sin no more. I want to tell you all the stuff you got to do, the peripheral. Or I want to tell you what is most important. I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. I love you. And in fact, I stood up right in front of the bullies for you. And the bullies, they thought they weren't guilty, but they're guilty because they didn't know that it was, they thought it was just committing the act of adultery. But let me tell all of us here today, it's not just committing it, but it's thinking about someone lustfully. We have committed that. Okay, well, now who's getting out the crowd? Well, if you've hated somebody, 
It's like murder. Okay, where, where, where are we going? Because the point is we're all guilty. We're all broken. And then when the victorious one comes and gives us freedom, we now give our complete allegiance. We surrender everything. We look to follow Jesus. We do. And it's amazing. So why do we want to go and sin no more? Because he doesn't condemn us. The same way God gets received, it's the same, or the same way Jesus gets received, is like us. This is my son. When you enter the faith of Christianity, that's what happens. So in the middle of our storm, we look to Jesus. What is the storm we're in? We look to Jesus. And then lastly, um, number three, we look further ahead. We look further ahead. All the miracles Jesus did, I believe, were great demonstrations of of his power, and we believe in miracles. I'll say that right now. Like, I believe God can touch you anywhere, any place, now, now. Like, where you heal and hurt, you, you just ask him. We had a moment, Crystal and I were away on retreat this year, and I was praying for her, and she was hurting. You can ask her about this. And she said it instantly went away. And even I, I remember was pausing. I remember thinking, no way. <laughs> because how God heals and when he decides to isn't up to me. And he even took my half-believing prayer. And it happened. And it encouraged my faith. Don't know all the mystery of how it plays out or when and how, but I know we give glory to him and we still believe and we press on. And how do we press on? Because we're looking forward. We're looking futuristic. God tells us to look futuristic. Satan wants us to hide the reality that one day we'll die. Think about people in hospice we don't hear about that enough. Why? Because it reminds us of our mortality. We don't talk about people in the last stage of life that much. Like, oh, how's grandma and grandpa doing? I don't know. Like, yeah. We don't want to talk about it. Because if Satan can get us to believe that we're not going to die or to not think about it, then we'll never experience the true freedom. So what Jesus was saying was, look, look, look forward. And this is what Paul wrote in Corinthians. He says, oh, death, we're, uh, death swallowed by triumphant life. Who got the last word, oh, death? Oh, death, who's afraid of you now? Out of the message. It was sin that made death so frightening and law called guilt that gave sin its leverage, its destructive power. By now, in a singular, single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, death, are gone. gift of our master, Jesus Christ. Thank God. Okay, to end, I'm going to have, I'm going to ask Julia to sing, um, Give Me Jesus. And I'm so grateful you shared about reading. That really blessed me. We, we talked about that during worship and I asked her, I said, will you please share that? I think that'll set a lot of people free. Even the language she used was learning differences. I love that. We all have differences of how we learn or how we connect. Just by her saying that, I, I, the first service, I heard you say it, I started to cry instantly. Just, just hearing someone express what they've been through and what they're going through and then how they're asking the Lord to be victorious, they're putting the freedom flag in that area. And 
I can only help but imagine, I can't speak for you fully, but I can speak for myself of just every time I felt the gap in my life, if I put Jesus right at the, the beginning of, he, he's the freedom I need, and then he gives me the confidence and hope to enter in now. So what do we need today? We have a, probably a long list, marriages, healing. Can I, can I invite us in to put all that on the peripheral for now? And just say, give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me the one that can conquer death. Give me him. Give me him. When I don't know how to pray, I often just pray Jesus. I put a phrase in my identity statement. It says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's the only song I know, and it's really the only song I need. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Will you stand? Let that be our prayer as we close. Sing, give me Jesus for freedom. If you don't know Jesus, today would be a great time to say, man, take my sin, Lord. Take my sin. Make me new. He's talking about it. I believe it. I want it. I want to go public next week and be baptized. Give me Jesus. Let's sing. I know I've taken a few extra minutes of everyone's time, so thank you. Can we grab a hand close to us? And it's really feeling my heart that Jesus set us free to let us know that we're, we're not alone. We have a family. We're all different. And uh, you're never alone. You're never alone. And I want to pray for us as we close. Jesus, I thank you for every single person here. I pray that you'll continue to lead them and guide them. I pray that you'll show up in every area that they hurt, every area that tries to destroy all the strongholds, all the chains, and that today you would be the freedom flag. That your victory is what we celebrate. It's what we cheer. That you'll draw us close and keep us near. Remind us often that our appetite would be for you. We would thirst for eternal things. We would see beyond our sight. We would hear with ears in tune how you speak. We have a desire to read your word and not just read it, but live it and experience it and to accurately study, but yet powerfully apply and experience daily. That the Spirit will speak to us and that we'll be with you each step of the way. God, I pray that you'll hold each person close and continue to declare your freedom of what you've already purchased as we look back to victory, as we look to you in the storm, and as we look ahead to our future home as you're making all things new. Bless your people today. It's in your powerful name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Come on. Well, friends, next week we'll be here every Sunday. All races, all faces, all ages, you belong here. We're going to keep loving this city one life at a time, and we won't stop until God makes all things new. If you haven't been baptized, get baptized. Meet somebody in the hallway. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.
Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.